listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 13th of July. Later, Australia's richest CEOs. Some of them are taking a pay cut, others are getting a pretty decent number. We'll tell you more in a few moments. But first, to the financial support package for COVID-hit incomes and businesses amid the Sydney and surrounds lockdown by the federal and New South Wales government. So now, if a lockdown lasts more than four weeks and a Commonwealth hotspot is declared, here's what you'll get. You'll get a weekly payment of $600 if you've lost more than 20 hours worth of work a week or a weekly payment of $375 if you've lost between eight and 20 hours a week. Businesses will be eligible for support of between $1,500 to $10,000 if they suffered 30% decline in turnover and have retained their staff, and sole traders will get $1,000 a week. So for more on the economic impacts, I spoke earlier with Warren Hogan, the economic advisor at Judo Bank. Warren, we've just heard about the income and business support announced by both the New South Wales government and and federal government this afternoon. What's it likely to mean for the sector and will it help? Well, look, I think this is very significant for not just the most exposed industries, but for the whole economy. Once again, the government's coming here and supporting the incomes of the most vulnerable businesses and the most vulnerable individuals, shoring up confidence and laying the platform not so much for the economy to be okay through the lockdown, but for us to come out of the lockdown and get back to normal as quickly as possible. And I think what they've announced here today should ensure that. With that in mind, though, and given the lockdown, to what extent do you think that there is a real threat that New South Wales will fall into negative growth for the third quarter and why? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to see the New South Wales economy go backwards. The the, the hard, hard lockdowns we're seeing will have a major impact on spending across the whole state and significant impact in the metropolitan area. We're talking about 80% declines in personal services, restaurants, cafes. We're literally talking about billions of dollars of spending coming out of the state economy. Uh, it's an increase in the saving rate. And we will bounce out of this. But in the September quarter, it is very hard to see how New South Wales can't go backwards and have a negative quarter of growth. So what's that likely to mean for national GDP in that same period? And what does it say about the path of the economic recovery? Well, I think the national economy is somewhat ring-fenced from this because they're not in lockdown. And the support we're getting for New South Wales, which will keep a floor under growth here, um, a floor under incomes here, should limit the damage. I mean, it will drag overall national activity down just because New South Wales is one third of this national economy. But I don't see other state economies being heavily affected. They're going to continue to see construction activity happen, people going to restaurants and cafe, people go on holidays there. So it will slow the national economy down. And we may actually see very little growth in the quarter. We may even see a small negative for the overall economy but it's not the recessionary type conditions we're likely to see in New South Wales. Warren Hogan there from Judo Bank. The Australian share market did pretty much nothing today. The 200 closing at 7,332 today. That's despite opening at a three-week high. For more, I spoke earlier with Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. 
Scott, to what extent is the Sydney lockdowns and that of its surrounds impacting investor sentiment? Ricardo, the good news, if you like markets to go up, is thus far at least we're getting our lead from overseas. The growth in the US market, another record overnight, and China reducing the reserve ratio, which effectively makes money cheaper, is really taking the market with it. Now, maybe that's just papering over the cracks. I dare say that might be the case. But for now, at least, the focus is global rather than local. Uh, Last year, when we went through the the larger lockdown, we saw those lockdown-related stocks doing well. Are we seeing the same thing now? We are to some degree. Again, the, the, the macro really is driving the trend. So we're seeing the banks and miners do particularly well. But we're seeing companies of the likes of the e-commerce retailers and others who are benefiting from us being at home, working from home. And for those unfortunates having to teach their kids at home, uh, that is helping those stocks to some degree. Although I think the market remembers the fact that once the lockdown was over, they also fell pretty fast. So there's a bit more thought, a bit more care going into it this time around. I guess as uh, economists and experts ponder the the economic implications of what an extended lockdown could mean for, for the economy and thus markets, right? Profit reporting season, that's just around the corner. Does the lockdown have the potential to see profit warnings come up? I think that's a really, really good point. I'm not sure we'll see warnings just yet, but what I do expect over the coming weeks is we'll see a whole lot of withdrawal of guidance. If you remember this time last year, roughly, we had a lot of companies say, look, we just don't know anymore. And so whatever guidance we provided, we're not saying it's going to be bad. We're not saying it's going to be good. We just literally don't know. And companies choosing to withdraw that guidance, I think, will be the first thing we see. If it does continue, if it spreads or if it becomes particularly expensive, we then will see some warnings, absolutely. But that withdrawal, I think, will be the first cab off the rank. And still, there's a lot of uh, merger and acquisition activity at the moment. What's making news? This does seem like a bit of a, you know, those of us who've been through a couple of economic cycles and market cycles, this is one of those late stage indicators. Now, it's different this time around because money is so incredibly cheap. It's effectively free to borrow. So plenty of companies taking advantage of that. But when mergers and acquisitions pick up, locally and globally, there is some sense that we are getting late into a bull run. Now, I'm not a guy who does predictions and forecasts, so I don't know how long, if that's right, if we are near a top. All I do know is when the market gets excited and M&A picks up, it is worth just being a little bit careful to make sure you don't get carried away with the crowd. Scott Phillips there from The Motley Fool. Now, Aussie CEOs have taken a pay cut, but some of them are still pretty well paid. The Australian Council of Superannuation Investors says the median realised pay, so that's uh, cash pay plus shares and options, for example, fell 3.6% to $4 million in 2020 financial year. That's for the ASX 100 listed CEOs, and 31% of them received no bonus. It means around 70 did, though. For more, I spoke with Ed John from the council. Ed, median realised pay is down 3.6% for Australian ASX100 listed company CEOs. Why? I think one of the key issues, Ricardo, is that boards have listened to investor expectations and acted during the pandemic. So we saw 31% of top 100 companies actually Uh, pay zero bonus last year in light of that fact. The report also showed that while around 30% of CEOs received no bonus, 70% though did. So what's that a reflection of? I think there are two things there, Ricardo. One is that there was a very different experience of the pandemic for different companies. So some of the companies that had zero bonus were the high profile cases like Qantas or Treasury wine estates. So, um, that impact wasn't felt across all sectors. Um, the other thing to note is that for this around 70% who did receive bonuses, they're actually 
at their lowest level in 10 years in terms of the median result. So there was restraint in that broader group. Overall, what does this report show about the way executives are being awarded both short and long-term incentives? I think one of the keys is we've moved away from the days where cash bonuses were almost seen as an entitlement in many companies. So the shift has been towards uh, share-based incentives where they actually require uh, CEOs to meet performance hurdles over many years and have sustained performance. So they're much more aligned with the experience of investors, large and small. I guess that some attention may go to those big numbers and pay packets of CEOs at a time when many Aussies were receiving JobKeeper in 2020. How is it justified, especially when CEOs are still getting bonuses? And how does one explain that to the general public? Well, I think the attention on, on CEO pay is absolutely valid and it's something that's not going away. And while the trend is positive or the, the movement is down, there are still some very large numbers we capture. Um, and so from an investor perspective, there's a lot of work to do and to make sure, for instance, we don't see a bounce back in CEO pay next year. Um, so I think the focus um, you know, is, isn't going away anytime soon. Ed John there from the Australian Council of Superannuation Investors. Uh, speaking of uh, bonus pay, the median bonus that was paid, remember 70% of CEOs did get a bonus, the median is $1.14 million. And the highest paid CEO, according to the council, is Paul Perot, the CEO of CSL, $43 million in the 2020 financial year. Of course, CSL is a blood, blood products maker and also the local manufacturer of the AstraZeneca vaccine. That is SBS On The Money for this Tuesday. Don't forget you can listen to this as a stream on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and the SBS radio app. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 